So I'm, I'm talking about this. Uh, it's kind of a blessing for me that I get to talk about giving uh, because I am reaping the reward of financial um, strategy be, all because of my wife. Everything I have is what she gave me. Um, I've been successful in my life over a lot of seasons to not go into debt, uh, but I've also never had a plan with my money. And so I realized that there are four things that's probably important for all of us to know about giving or uh, about money. Whenever we talk about money, I don't want to be the one that says, hey, guys, give, because honestly, that's not my heart. I don't want you to just give to us. I also want you to prepare for your future and have a retirement plan. I also want you to be able to not go into debt in your life. I also want you to learn how to manage the finances that God has given you. I also want you to learn to be able to give on top of tithing. There's a lot of things that God wants to do in your life, but giving to the Way Community Church is a portion of it. It's not the big picture, and I want to talk in this series about the big picture. And so I love that this is a series because I don't have to waste everything in one moment. So this is a series that we came up with, and uh, it's uh, going to be with four topics. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good, tomorrow matters. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, tomorrow matters. Can you guys see that in the back? Probably not, nope, all right. Well, this is the four topics, less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. And uh, I think that all of those things matter uh, significantly. Today, we're gonna talk about the birth of this whole concept, which starts off with less is more. The problem is, is that a lot of us know that tomorrow matters, but we don't plan for it because we can't, because we don't have enough. And the reason why we don't have enough is maybe because we gave some of it away or it wasn't, uh, I don't know what happened, but then what the problem is, is that we're so stressed out with our financial situation. And it all starts with the really the first baby step with your money is learning that less is more. I remember when me and my wife first got married and uh, we bought our first house and it had an extra bedroom in it that no one was in. And we felt like, man, there's like a room that doesn't have a couch in it. There's a room that doesn't have a bed in it. What are we doing? Like we have to furnish these things. And then it, then like someone told us like, you don't start where your parents did. You start where you start. And, but there's this like mindset that we have to have all of these things in our life. And, uh, but it's really good for you to learn the concept today that less is more when it comes to finances. Everyone say less is more. Less is more. The, one of the first things that you have to understand is that God wants you to have a plan with your finances. Uh, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, uh, it was like something that we all know and we all want to do. And uh, I'm going to dive more into the tithe in the next couple of weeks. But today I'm just going to kind of launch it out there. Uh, it would say this. It says that, uh, that God said to bring all of your tithes into the storehouse, that there would be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven, the armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out such a blessing that you won't be able to have enough room to contain it. Um, he says, test me in this. The only place in the Bible God says, test me is with finances and in regards to tithing. Scotty, can you go back to that real quick? The first part of that? Uh, not test me, but the, uh, pour out your tithe. First of all, it's, what I love about the tithe is the tithe is a tenth. Why it's important you understand that the tithe is a tenth is because God wants you to have a plan. It's not just what you do with 10%, but what are you doing with 90%? I love that this is like a concept where God would be like, where are your monies going? 
Uh, just, just recently, God did overwhelm me and my wife in the craziest way. We've been on a faith walk recently. I'm going to tell you more about that. But God just rocked our socks off just recently, pouring out such a blessing that we cannot contain it. Um, and we've been uh, just... We've been trusting and trusting and trusting that God would, would do something great in our life. And just this last week, God broke through a miracle for us through a season that is uh, unbelievable. And, uh, and what's really funny about that is that uh, we didn't get any money. No money was given to us, yet we financially prospered. I'll tell you more about it in the next, in the next couple of weeks. It's a little, little nugget for you. Okay, cool. I got to get into the message. Otherwise, I'm going to run out of time like I always do because I talk too much and I get excited. I get excited. I get excited. It's important that you, God wants you to know what you're doing with your tithe. Why? Because um, you should know where your money's going. And what I realize is that we are a generation that is fixated on impulses. We do a lot of things spontaneously without realizing where our monies are going. And some of you have a small amount of money already. And if you only have a small income, you should be even more mindful of what you do with your money. Every bank has this thing called a bank statement where they print out and tell you where you spent your money this month. And I can tell you one thing. If we were to look at your bank statement, I can tell you what you love and value most in your life. I also want you to know that my objective is not to get you to give to our church because we need it. In fact, I want you to know that our church is debt-free. Uh, we're doing well. We are prospering, actually. Uh, we're uh, continuing to make more money every month. And so I don't, in fact, get any more money if you guys give more. It's important for you to know that. There is a team of people that makes my salary. They made it like I haven't got a raise in like three or four years, so maybe we need to be talking to those people about that, but uh, I'm just kidding. No, I'm totally just kidding, Tasha. Uh, um, but um, we don't need your money. Uh, you need to learn to give, and so I, I, I feel bad. There's a few people in our church that remind me often, hey, you need to talk about tithing. Hey, you need to talk about tithing. Hey, you need to talk about tithing, and there's one person in particular who probably at some points in their life made less money than most of us all put together, or her Anyways, she doesn't make a lot of money. And she would come to me and she'd say, Tim, you're robbing our church of blessings by not talking about this. And I do want you to know that God blesses those that tithe because it's starting off with the ability to put God first in your life. And it's so important. Everything in our life revolves around our money. Everything we want to do in our life revolves around our money. And why God would say the 10th is the first fruit of your life, when you put God first in your life and say, before I build everything, before I go and get a cable bill and a light bill and a house bill and a car payment and car insurance, and before we plan vacation and all the meals we're going to do, God, you are first. And what happens often is we have all of these other things that we want and we can't afford to give God his first. God gets the leftovers, if anything, and we wonder why we're having a hard time being on fire for him. Because you love your money. And it's important that God doesn't want your money. He actually wants your heart. That's what God is after. And if you would let go of what your heart is attached to, it would be easier for you to be steadfast and in love with Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, I got to get into the sermon. That was all the intro. The first thing I want you to know about less is more is uh, we have to purchase less. 
I'm going to go into scripture here today. This is a powerful scripture. I've read Philippians about eight times this week, um, and uh, Philippians is just rocking my world, and uh, I want to read this to you here. This is in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through 20. We have to purchase less. Brothers and sisters, this is our apostle Paul talking, pattern your lives after mine. And learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you before, and I'll say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross. They're headed for destruction, and their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Oh, man, I am so guilty of that. And the Apostle Paul said, these are enemies of the cross. Their God is their appetite. Their God is their appetite. Their God is their appetite. And they only think about this life here on this earth. Oh, man. Let's be careful that the Apostle Paul isn't saying that we're headed for destruction. Because I think he might be. There's some things that we do have to correct if we are going to be believers. He says their God is their appetite. Why that's important is that we have to understand that as an American, I can't speak for every culture in the world, but as an American, we are fixated on what we want and what we desire, and life has set you up that you don't have to think about it. Swipe the card. Swipe the card. Swipe the card. Swipe the card. You know what I need? Oh, man, we have, to, we have to fix up this bathroom. This bathroom hasn't had a facelift in so long and it just it's just ugly we need a we need a new bathroom swipe the car you know what i'm tired today i need a new star i need a starbucks i need a pick me up swipe the card and we spend and we spend and we spend and we're spending all of this money because whatever we desire whatever we need is what we go after and we just get and it's hard because we often don't say no to what we want very often. Because if you say no to what you want, you feel kind of less of a person. Like, I can't afford to do that, but I have money. And if I, if I can do it and I have a credit card, which I have money that aren't even mine, then why can't I get the things that I want in my life? I deserve it. I work hard for my money. Don't we say that to ourselves? Anyone else ever said that to themselves? If you aren't saying that, you lying and you dying. Let me just tell you right now. Because we live in America and it's taught us to say that things. If you want it, you deserve it. But I learned this when I became a Christian. And I think that this is an important principle that we have to understand. Not everything I want is good for me. Guys, if you don't understand that, you're not going to understand anything else that's coming here in this sermon. Not everything I want is good for me. Not everything I want is good for me. There's some things on the internet that are not good for me. There's some people in my life that are not good for me, like relationships with human beings that are not good for me. There, 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 there are things that I want to go buy that are not good for me. I couldn't manage it if I had them. And so what I realized is there's a lot of things that I want that God is not going to give me. And that makes him a good father. Because he knows if we, had, if we can't even manage the short amount of money that we have in our bank account, why would he give us more stuff that would then in turn just hurt us? We have to know that less is actually more sometimes. But whatever we want, we feel like we deserve because we work so hard for it. Do we 
We were born in the United States of America. We were born the richest people on the face of the earth and did nothing for it. We start one step ahead of everyone on the face of the planet. You don't even have to work and you'll have food on your table. We'll give you a house and you don't have to have a job. Like we are rich. Less is more. And there is an impulse inside of us that makes us feel like we are less than human if we don't buy, in fact, what we want. There are so many things that we just keep buying and buying and buying. I remember I went to Nicaragua. I've gone now, I think, seven or eight times. And every time I've gone, I remember the same thing that I learned the last time, that I learned the last time, that I learned the last time. And so I'm going to teach you guys something I have forgotten and forgotten and forgotten and forgotten. And the chances are if I've forgotten it and I'm super spiritual, uh, then you have forgotten it also. Let me just show you a picture of this real quick. Yep. And I would go there and I would see this. This is um, in Trash Mountain there. This is in, in, uh, in um, Managua uh, where they believe about 2,000 families live in the city dump and kids are playing. And you get there, Melinda, right? How many times have we seen it? And your heart just breaks. Breaks, 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 breaks. You go, God, they have nothing. I can show you another photo. Look, at this is just a regular house. Regular house. And my heart breaks. And I go, oh God, these people, they have nothing. And then show me the next photo. And then after a while, you're there for a little while and you begin to see that they have nothing. And the, after day one and day two and after day three, you begin to realize something. This guy showed me the Wait, they actually have everything that they need. And it's the most heartbreaking thing. They have each other. It's just us that feel so convinced that we don't have enough, that we're starving, that yet life is still somehow out of our reach. Like if we could just buy this one thing, then we will have everything we need in our life. But these kids have nothing. They have a ball with a couple patches on it, a few. And they're laughing and celebrating and looking at us like we're giraffes walking around in the, in, in the middle of Nicaragua. And I, and I realize that we have everything we need and the chances are that it would do us good for us to have less of what we need. But the problem is, is that our, our God is our belly. It's our appetite. It's our desire that we can't not continue to constantly desire stuff that we don't have. And sometimes I want to remind you, what you want is not good for you. If you're currently not in a relationship and you want one, it may be that it's not good for you in this season you have things you still have to learn. If you're still wanting a new car or a new house or a new something and you want to upgrade, 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 it may be that it's not good for you in this season and it's okay to say that. There is nothing wrong with that. In fact, five, seven-eighths of the globe understands that reality, that some things are out of your reach. They're perfectly in God's reach. Ah, another day. Oh my gosh, I gotta go. Okay, so um, uh, so the first one is buy less, right? The second thing is possess less. Oh man, this is a good one here. You gotta hear this. The apostle Paul said this in the same book of the Bible, Philippians chapter four. He says, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost with nothing and with everything. I've learned the secret of plenty and of little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What I love is that verse is like so popularly quoted, but yet we don't even know the context in which he says, I can do everything. Really? Can you do everything with nothing? That's what he's saying. 
Can you get by with nothing? Then stop complaining. Stop feeling like you're a loser or you don't have anything. Like, you know what's so funny about being an American? These are our problems. We go to the Cheesecake Factory and look at this menu. And we have no idea what we're going to eat today. Like, it is just so... We drive down the street, we go, I'm hungry. I can't think of anything that I want to eat. We open the refrigerator and we go, there is nothing in there. Really? We go to our closet and we open, we look at our closet and we go, I have, I need new clothes. I need new clothes. I don't have anything. And some of us have two closets and some of us have boxes with clothes in them that we don't even store in the closet anymore because there's no room. So we put them in the garage, right? And it's filled with other stuff. We have so much stuff that it's overwhelming that we get a storage unit. We pay us a company to hold the stuff that we don't even look at and we forgot that we have it, but we need it. And so we just keep getting and getting more and more stuff and we're so overwhelmed, but we have nothing. Why is this that we continue to believe this? that we have nothing, when will we realize that we are blessed, that we are rich, and that we have everything? We buy stuff we don't like to impress people that we hate. Why? Why is it that the next thing will make us feel content? The apostle Paul, our, our apostle said, hey, look, guys, I have learned to be content with plenty, and with little. And there is something for us to sit there, sit around, and maybe it's just learning to, to sit with our family and say, thank you. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. And I'm not saying that you can't have good things. Nope, not true. In fact, I think that God wants you to have great things, better things. The problem is that you don't recognize great when you have so much crap. When it's littered among so much other stuff, you, our hearts can't love these many things. They're called idols. And it's just boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff that we don't even want. How many drawers do we have at home that we, have to, we know we got to clean out? Less is more. Stress, it's so bad. Giving is good and tomorrow matters. And I think that God does want you to have great things. It's just important that they don't have you. I love that show, Tidy Up, or whatever it is on, on Netflix right now, the little Asian girl. She's so cute, and she says, you, you just got to thank it, and um, thank you for what you've done for me, and then let it go. And uh, she says it's so nice, like, yeah, I can do that. And then you get that thing in your hand, and you're like, but it brings me joy, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one here. Okay. We have to learn to possess less Possess less, possess less. I believe that if you would go through the stuff that you have and let some things go, you would actually find that you have more than you think. I can prove it one more time. How many of you this week have gone on to television or Netflix? Raise your hand. And you're so overwhelmed with how many options there are that you also said, there's nothing on, right? Can't find anything. Can't find anything to watch because we have so much stuff that doesn't seem to be anything there that fits me. Yet if you're on an airplane and there's two movies to pick from, I know exactly what movie I'm going to watch. I've been waiting to see this movie all two minutes. You know, that guy would just shut up talking. I could get to the movie. Why? We have too much stuff. Buy less. Possess less. 
My third point is consume less. Listen to this. This is out of Daniel. I think that this is super, super important that I believe God is trying to tell us that less is Less is more. Thanks, Will. You're the man. Boo these people, Will. I oh, thank you. Okay, right, here we go. Consume less. I think that this is so important. Not only is the Holy Spirit saying this to us, but I believe that our bodies are already saying this to us. Listen to this. This is in Daniel chapter 1 in verse 8. He says, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. Who is Daniel? I got to set this up quickly. Daniel was a guy who was arrested. He was a slave brought from another country. He was brought under this guy who was a king and the king wanted to learn all of the countries of the world. So he had an Egyptian slave. He had a Pakistani slave. He had a Chinese slave. He had a Jewish slave. He wanted to learn all the customs of the world. And so Daniel was wise and he said, hey, look, we're going to take care of you so much. We're going to feed you. All I want you to do is learn about your culture and teach it to me. Sounds like America. Right when you get on Facebook, you're just learning crap all over the place. So Daniel gets to this other country and he says, man, I, my country, we don't do things the way you guys do it. We can't, we can't eat like this, man. And the king is just wanting to feed Daniel and just feed him and just feed him. And hey, have more, have more, have more, have more. And Daniel says, look, I, I can't eat like this. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Verse 11, Daniel spoke with the attendant uh, who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And, and he said, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. And at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his friends looked healthier and better nourished than the other young men who had been eating food assigned by the king. Here's what I know about America. I'm going to make this point real quick. Here's what I know about America. We eat two or three meals a day. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Two or three meals a day. Okay? Not only that, but we graze all day long. There was, I went back, I saw the beautiful, glorious donuts back there from Hole in One. And you know you can't pass it up. It's got that glaze over it. I mean, it's the softest, most wonderful thing in the world. I don't know how they do what they do, but I'm going to have one. And if I see a peanut later, I'll eat a few peanuts. And if I see some Cheez-Its, I love the way that they get in my teeth. And it's like... <laughs> Oh man, it's like, I, and I can't just have one. Or if there's a chocolate cookie, I'll just, I'll just have one. But yet, why is it that we're eating more than any other country in the world and yet all of us are exhausted? We have no energy and we can't play sports with our kids because we're so tired and we just need to relax. Man, I'm just, oh, our body feels like garbage, yet we're eating more than any other country in the world. Yet when you go on a fast, Somehow, when you say no to what your body says I want, we feel better. How is it that we get more energy when we stop eating so much? Maybe it's because less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good and tomorrow matters. I believe that our bodies are saying, you got to stop doing this. You got to stop doing this. And yet I want, and so I deserve. 
And it's a long day. And so I need a pick me up. I need another coffee. I need some more energy. I need a soda to get myself a little spike. And yet I'm deflated an hour later. Why? Because less is more, less is more, less is more, less is more. And it's the only thing that every other country in the world somehow knows. And we have tripped over this thing on a daily basis and still no change. And because tomorrow matters, there will come a day when you hate yourself because you didn't learn this lesson a long time ago, that less is Last point. Number one, purchase less. Number two, possess less. Number three, consume less. Can I just ask you before I say the first point, does anyone disagree with anything I've said so far? Right? It's just that we're American and this sucks. But it's good for you. The coffee thing, right. Uh, why? As, I, as the pastor has a cup. That's it. It's just bad. I mean, like, look, if you look at your checkbook and you look back over the month and you've, and you've stopped at the racetrack 15 times and you've dropped uh, $100 or you've dropped, you know, like I don't want to, I, I, I enjoy coffee, but I don't want Starbucks. I don't think Starbucks deserves my $100 at the end of the month. You know what I mean? Let them have yours, but I don't want them to have mine. Like I have a plan for mine. I want to take my family on a vacation. And so I have to say no to something so that I could say yes, my wife always says, if you say, whatever you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. I love it. She's so wise. And, uh, and so uh, I, this, I told you, everything that I have here is actually, I've learned, I've been a pupil, a pupil, a, uh, yep. Uh, we're going to move on. The last thing that I think our country has a problem with, and I believe that this is important for you to learn today, number four is work less. Oh man, this is important. Work less, work less, work less, work less. I know that this doesn't make sense because, dude, I, I don't have enough money to pay all my bills. I have to have another job. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you understand, man. Listen, what we have to do is obey God. And somehow I've seen this work. If we will give 10% of our income and take time to ourself, everything will grow. I can't wait to tell you in a few weeks about the testimony of what God's done in my life. But since I quit my job, my other job, I was working you know, 50, 60 hours a week, uh, every week for six years, seven years. Everyone in the church was coming up to me saying, Tim, you gotta quit that job. We had a retreat one time and everyone had a little come to Jesus meeting with Pastor Tim and said, Tim, it's time for you to quit your job. And I'm looking at them like, you don't even know nothing. Like, you don't know, you don't know. Don't judge me. Isn't that what we say? Stop judging me. Um, since I quit the job, our church has exploded. Last week, we had 172 people, and I don't know how many people raised their hand for Christ last week. And it's not me. It's because now I have time to help with other people, to invest other people so that they can get to what God's calling them to do. You guys are actually growing the church. I just have time to talk to you. You know? It's awful. Uh, I have to go. Okay. Sabbath. Work less. And so you have to have a day where you do nothing. There's this really cool passage in the Bible. It's one of my funniest stories. Like it's better than the time Elijah prayed that the bears would maul the little children. Um, it's in the Bible, I promise. It's a really weird story. Um, there's this passage in the scripture of this guy who was collecting sticks on the Sabbath. Collecting sticks. 
Probably needed him to heat his house, collecting some sticks. And people saw him, and they were like, you can't collect sticks on the Sabbath. And they grabbed him, they laid hand on him, the Bible says, and they dragged him to Moses, where Moses commanded that he be executed by stoning. And so people threw rocks at him until he was no longer. And that's crazy to me. Everyone involved in this whole story, except the poor guy picking up sticks, used more work than the guy picking up sticks. They threw rocks at him, that was exhausting. They dragged him to Moses, that was exhausting. The Sabbath is important. Listen to this, I'm gonna read you a story. So, uh, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into re God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Um, I have more of that verse somewhere here. Yeah, here we are. Uh, for if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Scotty, do you have that verse? It's in Hebrews chapter four, verse nine through 11. I need them to see it. It's my fault. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But listen to this, verse 11. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, listen to this, we will fall. We will fall. Now, I think we have to have different understandings of what that means. What if you work so hard to provide for your family that you don't get to see your family? You'll lose everything you were working for so you can buy more crap that you don't need and miss the people that you wanted to spend it on. We don't need more stuff. We need time. And we are working and running and working and running. And God said, if you don't rest, you will fall. And so what happens? Why is the Sabbath so important? Because the Sabbath, I, there was a, a, a friend of mine, he says that he believes that the Sabbath is, is that we didn't work and then rest. He says that he believes that we rest it so we can go back to work. What's important about having a moment of rest is you clear your mind. And then you approach work again with strategy, with purpose. You think about your life, you contemplate, where is my life going? What am I doing? Where's my money going? Where's my time going? Where, how are my friends doing? How are the people I love doing? What am I doing with my job? God wants you to be creative, but we can't create when we're just busy and stressed out and complicated. And so when we have time to just sit back and relax, now I know this isn't the way that everyone else works. The world says work, 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 buy, 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 possess, possess, possess. And God's saying, no, we work so we can be with people. Now, now we rest and enjoy each other. And so what I'm realizing is that we will fall and we'll lose everything we had if we don't take a moment to clear our head of where we're at and what's going on and how is my love life and how is my relationship with God and it's a day to worship and a day to enjoy and a day to love and contemplate and think and have space and don't fill it with television where you're consuming more stuff. Rest, think, write, love, text, be with people. But we can fall. And so I know that this is very countercultural. But what happens is 
I'm asking for you to tithe. Give your 10%. But plan your other 90% on where it's going. And get rid of the, some of the stuff that's garbage so you can make room to recognize and value the things that God actually has put in your life that's important. And take time, which is the most important thing you have, is time. If you got a day, enjoy it. Rachel, would you come? As we close today, um, I'm talking about a few things. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good and tomorrow matters. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good and tomorrow matters. And we're going to hear more about stress next week. And uh, I have some really p- cool testimonies that are personal from my life. But I, um, I just want you to know that um, today in your life, think about what you want to do in your life. Where is your life going? What do you want to buy? What do you want to have? What can you let go of? Start by it with a drawer. Start with stuff. Just let go of some things. Look over your finances and where is my money going? What am I spending it on? What do I want to have in the future? Do you have a retirement plan? Tomorrow does matter. And it's coming. But just in case it doesn't, what I've learned is that I've consumed and consumed and consumed and consumed. And even it sometimes affects my relationship with my wife. When I am busy working so hard and pursuing other people, that sometimes I forget to center myself on my bride or on Jesus. And I wonder if there's other people here today that feel the same way, that you're so busy doing other stuff that you, don't, you didn't make time recently to just give your heart to Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but God has a plan for your life. And if you would trust him with your life and with your finances and with your friendships and your relationships, then he can do great things with you, but you gotta slow down and look at him.